Well, good morning. Let's do that again because I think some of you guys are still sleeping. Good morning. It's a blessing to be here in God's house with family and friends. Amen. I am Joseph Oliver. I'm the senior high youth pastor here at Allegheny Alliance Church. I'm entering my eighth year of being here at ACAC, and it's a blessing and a privilege to be here. Um, I'm just so blessed to see all of these folks here and just to see all these beautiful people here this morning. It's good to see you. My role this morning is to continue teaching through our sermon series on Jesus in his own words. Um, My task is to cover I am the Good Shepherd. So if you have your physical Bible, if you carry one of those, um, or if you have your your phone or electronic device, uh, tablet or iPad, turn to John chapter 10. That's where we'll be camping at today. Um, And we'll go to that passage in just a moment. And as I prepared this message, which Pastor Ross asked me about six or seven months ago, which I was like, are you going to be here? He's like, no, I'll be in Africa. And I said, dude, come on, bro. Like, really? You're just going to leave me out on an island? He's like, you're good. You got it. And I was like, God got me. (laughs) So so I'm excited for this morning. And as I prepared, I, I started preparing this message a few weeks ago. And where I started, I was in Orlando. And I was in Orlando with 63 people. 53 of our students and 10 of our adult volunteer leaders from the ACAC. And we were together with over 5,500 other students and adults at the Christian and Missionary Alliance National Youth Conference called LIFE. And while I was there, every morning we would be at this resort hotel, beautiful place, and we would sit together in the morning and have breakfast. So, you know, you bring a bunch of kids together to eat breakfast. It's messy, but who cares? We're sitting there just eating breakfast together. And to give them direction for the day, I'd have to get their attention because they're scattered, they're doing stuff. And the loud voice that I have, I go, if you hear my voice, clap one time, clap two time. Thanks, Ed. I appreciate it. She knows. She knows. Clap three times. We know. Like, it's just like, boom, now you got your attention. And I would give them instructions for the day. And it was great because in those moments, God was just showing me, like, yeah, they know your voice. I was like, okay. Clap myself on the back a little bit. We're good. But it continued through the conference and one on the Thursday. Megan Marshman, she was a speaker. She's a youth leader out in California. And she spoke about this idea of the cup. And if you guys know anybody from that went to life, ask them about the cup. They'll, they'll clearly explain to you how she was talking about how we hold the cup out to pour out, but not allow God to pour in. Those messages is powerful. I'm sitting there like, man, watching these 5,000 plus people hear this message. And in her response, she called these folks to go, will you allow God to fill you? And to watch these kids and these adults come before God, kneeling, crying out to God. It's like God was revealing to me like, hey, this is what happens when they hear my voice and they know when I call. That identified to me as like, this is what a good shepherd does. They know his voice and they know when he calls. This morning, we're going to talk about the good shepherd. And I want you guys to restore it to yourself and I want you to tell your neighbor. You can wake them up, tap them on the arm and tell them, I have a shepherd. If they didn't hear it the first time, tell them again. They'll they'll surely get it this time. That's my title for this morning. But before we go any further, let's have a word of prayer. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for all those that are here. And God, those that will hear this message. God, I pray that by these words that I share this morning, God, it's not about me. It's about you and you alone. And God, as your word is being proclaimed, God, I pray that by the power of your spirit, it would flow freely in this place. 
that God, the, the hearts and the minds and the ears of these folks would be open to hear what you have to say directly to them and to their lives. Let the message hit each one of us. And God, I pray that you remove any distractions. God, if there's callousness in our hearts, that God, that don't want to listen to what you have to say, God, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you will remove it. So that, God, we can hear what you have to say. So, God, bless this time. Hide me behind your cross so, God, that people will see you and see you alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I forgot the saying, may the Lord be with you. 20, 22 plus years in hearing that, I forgot. Gosh. Here we go. Let's go to John chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 11. Follow along with me as I read this. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock with one shepherd. Jesus knew this message would hit home. Because while the Jewish people were listening to Jesus proclaim this truth, the Jewish people also had other voices that were speaking into their lives. People that were saying, we are shepherding you. Those religious leaders, those hired hands were the, the Pharisees and Sadducees. And oftentimes throughout the New Testament, we see the Pharisees and Sadducees speaking to the Jewish people, trying to derail the Jews from following Jesus. Now, let me say this. The Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, the hired hand are not outwardly wicked. They are simply committed to their own well-being than the well-being of the sheep, than the well-being of the people. It's about me, not about the people and how we can direct them towards God. In verse 12 and 13, we see how Jesus makes this comparison, and we'll unpack that in just a moment. But Jesus' teaching, they're thinking that the, the Jewish leaders are thinking of how they can maintain control rather than submit to the will of God. And God wants to proclaim this to them. But he challenges the lifestyle of the Jewish people and the Jewish leaders. He provides the imagery of the shepherd in comparison to the hired hand. Because a shepherd, if you don't know anything about a shepherd, a shepherd, and I believe Pastor Rock talked about this a few weeks ago, the shepherd lived with the sheep, fed the sheep, helped care for the sheep, protected the sheep. However, Jesus took it a step further. He said, I'll lay down my life for the sheep. He's assuring us that he's the good shepherd. In other words, Jesus is the only good shepherd who's committed to love his sheep even unto death. That's a good shepherd. And he says this in verse 11, providing this visual of someone who cares, desires the best for his sheep. He will risk his life with the potential of losing it to save his sheep. In Jesus' own words, let's look to the scriptures of how Jesus, the good shepherd, is committed to his sheep. Because immediately after verse 11, we go to verse 12 and 13, and, and let's go back to that passage. The, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. 
So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus introduces this role of the hired hand in relationship to these Jewish leaders that have been helping shepherd, but, not, but they're not the shepherd. And Jesus reminds us that the hired hand is not the shepherd, but he also contends to say this. The hired hand provides sheep with misguided leadership that's mistaken for ownership. The hired hand provides mistaken, I mean, misguided leadership that's mistaken for ownership. Sheep listen to the voice of their shepherd to guide them to where they need to eat, drink, and sleep. The hired hand assists the shepherd in caring for the sheep similarly to how the shepherd does. But remember, it's not the shepherd. But as the hired hand continues to spend time with the sheep, as you guys all know, what happens is that now this voice starts to get confusing. Because I've spent so much time with this hand that I need to know the voice. And when the voice speaks, I'm conflicted. Is that, is this God? Is this the shepherd? Today we live in a society where there are numerous religious leaders misguiding and misleading flocks of sheep. We have pastors teaching the scriptures for their own following while hindering the following of Jesus. As pastors, we must teach the sheep, the people, to follow the good shepherd, to follow his voice. It's not about my voice, because if you follow my voice, you can get closer to the stage, but you're not getting closer to him. This way the people know who they belong to, and they know who they should be responding to. If we do not look back to the scriptures and utilize the discernment of the Holy Spirit, we can be misled, and we can also mislead people. The good shepherd wants us to know who we belong to. All this because he knows the hired hand provides the sheep with misguided leadership. It can be mistaken for ownership. In the same verse, in verse 12 through 13, Jesus talks about how the, the hired hand will abandon, will run, will leave, allow, things to be, allow the sheep to be scattered. I believe Jesus reminds us here that the good shepherd is committed to stay while others will abandon. The good shepherd is committed to stay while others will abandon. We learn about a shepherd in 1 Samuel 17. We hear about David. David talks about how he went out and he, as he was shepherding the sheep, he fought off lions and bears to protect the sheep from being scattered and scarred. But even when they got close, he still cared for them. He was still there. Jesus, the good shepherd, is the same way. He wants to defend us from the enemy who wants to prey on us. The hired hand is not committed to stay. They will abandon. In working with teens, as you guys know, and some of you guys have teens, they wrestle with difficult issues. Especially in this day and age where everything's vying for their attention. At the same time, I work with adults and talk with adults and parents, and you guys wrestle with the same issues. Similarly as your kids. And as we, as we wrestle, we're always trying to figure out who can we trust? Who can we run to? And are we sure someone's going to be there when times get rough? 
But Jesus describes this depiction of the hired hand of someone that runs away where he's like, dude, I'm right here. I'm right here in the midst of it. You think the storm is going to overtake you, but it can't because I'm right here. It might, it might wrestle with you, but I'm right here. That's what Jesus is, is the good shepherd. He's like, hey, you're walking through it. I'm walking through it with you. And as teens and adults, the difficulty is we get so caught up with believing a lie, we start to live the lie out like nobody's there for us. Because we see when we come to people, and sometimes leaders in our churches, as well as even our workplaces, they abandon us. But God's like, not me. I'm right here. Whatever you're going through, I'm right here. I'm committed to staying. And if you don't understand my commitment, my commitment is even unto death. So if I lose my life, it's for you to have life. Because the best part about, about a shepherd that's there for you, he listens. Psalm 55, 22 says this, cast your cares on the Lord. And he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. He's like, listen, hey, call out to me because I care for you. But as I listen, I will sustain you. I'm there with you in the midst. That's the commitment of our God. That's the commitment of our good shepherd. Jesus is not one to abandon us. He is one to be there for us and with us. Just like a shepherd, he's committed to his sheep. Jesus is committed to his people. And he reminds us that the hired hand may abandon us, but the good shepherd will not abandon us. But I want to continue to walk through this passage here as Jesus talks about his commitment to love us and to love his people, to love his sheep as he's the good shepherd. In his commitment, Jesus reminds us in, in verse 14 that the good shepherd knows his sheep and his sheep respond when he calls. This mutual knowledge of a shepherd and the sheep are significant to the people at this time. The sheep and the shepherd knowing one another is precisely why the sheep follow the shepherd. The, the crowd is familiar with this role. And Jesus shares to, with the people to know that the sheep walking with their shepherd, each individually are marked by the shepherd. The marking affirms that you belong to a particular shepherd. And I'm sure many of us have been marked by God. And we know when he speaks, we hear his voice. One of the things that I, I realized growing up and living with my mom and not really having my dad around is that when mom said something, you did it. And, and having my mom be the parent of my life was awesome. Because sometimes she left the mark. Physically. Because sometimes, you know, you, you, you get in trouble, you want to back talk, and you go, <laughs> I'm sorry, Mom, but the hand already came. You know, it's, it's, it's good. She left her mark on me with discipline. But she also left her mark on me with love. And one of the things that I know, and some of you young people that are under the age of 25 may not understand what it means to come in when the streetlights come on. That when those streetlights came on, you better be running. You better be on the front porch and walking in the door. Because when one came on, they know it didn't come on, but your parents knew that one came on. And I would know. She'd be on her porch. She'd call out. Because everybody calls me Joe, but she called me Joseph. And that's every single time. And I knew there was a problem. Joseph, I'm out. Hey, guys, hey, listen, I want to finish playing basketball, but I got to go. 
I got to go because if not, if I don't get home, this five foot five woman is going to catch, is going to give me the hands and I can't, I, I can't fight back, but that's what I'm going to have to do. <laughs> I'm going to have to take it. But her mark of love left an impression on me that I knew her voice when she called me. But I also knew her commitment to me. The good shepherd has a commitment to us that when he calls, he's sitting there saying, I'm calling out to you, 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 because I'm committed to love you. And I want you to come and embrace with me as I embrace you. This is a reminder. Jesus is letting you know that you are known by him. That as one of his sheep, you are marked by the king because you respond to his voice. You are his and he knows you. And the relationship you have with him, he speaks, and you start to know his voice. Because his sheep are known by him, and they know when he calls. But he also displays in this verse his intimacy. The good shepherd's commitment to his sheep is displayed through his intimacy with the father and his sheep. The relationship between the son and the father is unique. It's one of a kind. And what the son has with the father, the son wants to have with his sheep. The son's commitment to loving the father is through his obedience to the father's commands. And the son's commitment to his sheep, he wants intimacy with you. He wants you to know him face to face. Because if you know when, he, when you know him face to face, you'll know that that sacrifice that he's committed to of laying down his life for you is a dedicated promise. Because he will sacrifice his life for his sheep. Clearly, as he talks about him being the savior of the world, as well as the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he's committed. As I mentioned previously, I've grown up with my mom. There was one other person, my grandma. Grandma, big mom, all day. She was grandma when I got in trouble. She was big mom to our whole family. Because she was a pillar of faith and support to our whole family, and I'll, I'll never forget her. But one of the things that she always did, and some of you folks in this room know when you, you, the old saints, as they were called, as they were growing up, they would spend time praying on the phone. Hours go by, spending time in, in prayer, praying for those that are seeking and those that are lost, contending with God and contending against the enemy for those. And my grandmother would do that at home when she couldn't make it to church, but then when she made the church, we had church. Worship was high and lifted. It's like this morning. It was just like, man, it was resonating with my heart. And I didn't understand that at a young age, but I understood as I got older. There was an intimacy that she had with God. She was committed to experience his presence no matter what the circumstance the good, the bad, the ugly. She was committed to experiencing God for herself as well as even for others. That's what she wanted to do. Jesus, in a similar way, wants to do the same thing with us. He wants to be so intimate with you, so close with you, that every single time you wake up, you don't want to do anything else but to see him. Experience him so that when you get up and you know that your job is the one place you don't really want to go, you know that God is with you and he's helping you through it. Maybe when you get up and you got up this morning, you were coming to church and you're like, man, I really don't want to go. God's just like, come on, come on. You need to hear this. Because he is a good shepherd that wants to contend with you, to walk alongside you, 
Because he's committed to wanting that intimacy with you. Because just as he shares intimacy with the Father, he wants to share that with you. Jesus wants to have an intimacy that only you can truly understand how good God is. Because if you understand his intimacy, when you, when you experience and, and know that he's laid down his life for you, man, what a joy it brings. Jesus continues with this, this depiction in verse 16. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus reminds us that good shepherds, sheep pen is not exclusive, rather it's inclusive. The Jewish leaders felt that the Messiah would provide salvation exclusively for the Jews. But Jesus flipped it on them, as he always does. He presented to the Jews as the good shepherd that it's the sheep pen that he has is for Jews and Gentiles. It was something the Jewish leaders could not comprehend. Jesus was making it clear he was bringing together the Jews and the Gentiles to be one with one leader at the hill. Can I be honest with you for a moment? And I don't want to be critical, but sometimes the church is not really good at this. And I'm not saying that we should condone or compromise our beliefs or our faith to fling wide the doors open for anybody and everyone to come in because of what they do and say that they're a follower. But this is, there's some things that the, where the church is, has a difficulty uh, task doing. The church has been exclusive to people that look like them. Some people say the most segregated day of the week is Sunday. But not here in this place. Amen. Also, the, the church has been particular about and exclusive about the people that make a certain amount of money. I know in some churches, if you, got, if you contend and you bring in as much money as you can, you get to sit close to the stage. That's cool. That won't bring you closer to Jesus. In some sense, it might bring you farther away from him. Because you put your faith in your finances and not put your faith in the person that finances you. Or I pray the church would be exclusive, I mean inclusive, rather than exclusive to people's political perspectives. Because sometimes we sit in the room and sometimes it's the right and the left. And the thing is, Jesus is center saying, I'm right here. And you left me right where I'm standing. Because I pray the church would be inclusive, like how we are here. To allow the poor to sit with the rich, and there's no difference. To allow the black, the white, the Hispanic, the, the Latino, who, who, whoever it is, to sit next to you. And we're not looking at the way you look. We're looking at who you're looking to. I also pray the church would be more inclusive to walk alongside those that are walking through divorce. It's a crisis, it's an epidemic right now. Because we're allowing things of this world to divide us instead of bring us together. So then it becomes an issue with race, it becomes an issue with gender. These people need people to walk alongside them, to help them know who can be inside them, to help revive them and restore them to be who God has shaped them out to be. 
Not compromising your faith, but trusting in your faith. Because Jesus the good shepherd is the leader of one flock. And if we do that, trust me, the look of God's body will be such a beautiful picture. Because it will be one that has one shepherd. That's one flock. In preparing for this message, uh, I was listening to the song that we sung this morning, Psalm 23. It's a beautiful song. It speaks to my heart, but it also speaks to my life journey. I normally have it memorized, because, but it's not for a quizzing purpose, but I have it memorized. Because all of us know it. But it's, like I said, it's a part of my life journey. Let me explain. Today's August 11th, August 10th, three years ago, my little girl, Stella, passed away. I say all, but all to God. To him be the glory. Because Psalm 23 was written on my heart as I walked along and sat alongside my wife as she sat in a hospital bed as we grieved the loss. But as a thing about when I was grieving, I was rejoicing. Because I was with God, sinner, saying, God, help me to understand, help me to know, help me to experience. But he kept reassuring me that I'm right there. That he's right there. So I rewrote Psalm 23. Because God was rewriting it in my life. And it went a little bit like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want anything but you. You make me lay down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. Because I need peace and I need the cool to comfort so you refresh me. You guide me along the paths of righteousness by the power of your name. Because easily I can fall into disorder. But you lead me. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, evil I will not fear. For you are with me because your presence comforts and protects me. Because when the enemy wants to come up against me, you set a table and you sit right next to me saying, not this one. Because you have anointed me and that oil that, that you've poured over me is overflowing. And I will live in that and walk in that. And surely, Father, in this love that you have for me, your goodness and mercy will follow me all my days. And I will not let go of you as you hold on to me forever. That's my Psalm 23. For some of you, you have a Psalm 23 story. Or you've walked in the depths of the valley. And you're like, God, where are you? And he's like, I'm right here. Do you want me? Because I'm right here. And when you want nothing but me, trust me, you'll have nothing but me. Because he's walking alongside the broken, the sorrowful, the sinful, the needy. And what he also does is he goes to the cross to lay his life down so that we have life. That's his sacrifice. That's his love that he has for us. And he allows his spirit to resonate in us, to reside in us, to be a comfort, to be a joy, to be a marking on us as we follow him. If you don't know about the good shepherd, let me tell you who he is. He is one that knows you. He knows you. He knows you inside and out. You may not think that he does, but he does. You know what he's also to? He's, he's committed to you. He's also one that desires to be so close 
and he wants you to be close to him. The other part is that you're included in his family. He has you together in his arms. All of this because of his love and his commitment to love you and me, even unto death. Today, if you don't know, I hope and pray that you do know, you have a good shepherd. One that wants to walk alongside you and hold you close. And I really don't know where many of you are at today, but I know some of you are, are bold, strong believers. Some of you are wavering. But God's like, you don't have to waver. You may be shaken, but you're not, he's not done yet. You may be broken, but he's going to offer you healing. He's going to bring you healing. It may not come today. It might come tomorrow. You may not think that God has been there, but he's been walking close. You just, you just turn your ears off to him. Open those ears to hear what he has to say because he's calling out to you to be the voice not only in your mind but also in your heart because as I mentioned in the beginning, we all have a shepherd. This is that time again where you need to look at your neighbor and tell him, you have a shepherd. No, no, no. Do it again. Do it. Say it from here. Because what I want you to do when you walk away from this place today is to, is to look at yourself in the mirror every morning and go, yeah, I have a shepherd. I have a shepherd. One that's walking with me, that's talking with me, that is there with me, and that loves me. I have a shepherd, and so do you. Let's pray. Father, what a good God you are. How you love us, God, even so much of how you shepherd us. And God, I pray for those in this room that God had not sure of you being their shepherd. God, I pray that you would assure them to know that, God, they can walk into your arms. They can embrace you. And God, for, for those that have been walking with you, but reassure us of your faithfulness. Reassure us of your love. Because God, as we listen to you, as we obey you, we know you. And that's what it's about. Knowing you, growing with you, and sharing you. So God, bless us this morning. Bless us the days ahead that you affirm you are the good shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.